All right, here we go. The life of Jesus. If you have your Bible or a way to get the scripture, turn to John chapter 14. We're going to look at uh, just a verse there in John chapter 14 in a few moments. Um, but as we talk about the peaceful life of Jesus, I was reminded, I was reading in the New Testament, and uh, I started in Luke, and I was reading in Luke 2, um, where, of course, it talks about the birth of Jesus in Luke 1 and all that. But in Luke 2, if you remember, it goes right to when Jesus was 12 and the whole family went to Jerusalem, to the temple, right, um, to celebrate. And they, then they left after all that was over. You remember this story? And it was a whole caravan of people, right? Uh, it wasn't just Joseph and Mary, um, but it was a whole caravan of people. And they got about, it said, the Bible says, about a day's journey away. And they realized, wait a minute, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Remind me of my little nephew, Jaden. Where's Jaden? They said, where's Jesus? He's not with us. They were a day away. So now, uh, can you imagine as a mom, some of you moms, you know, one of your sons is not there. And she, she kind of knew who he was because she had an immaculate conception. All right. So um, it's not like she didn't know who he was. And uh, so she's maybe she's panicking. I don't know. She says, well, let's go back. So they went back to Jerusalem. Another thing I didn't realize in reading that story before is uh, they didn't get to him right away. So they went and they were still looking around, you know, and they thought, maybe they thought, well, let's look in the temple. And they went there. And of course, Jesus is there. We know the story, um, you know, speaking and amazing people, uh, amazing, not speaking to amazing people. Well, they could have been amazing, but he was amazing people, as in a verb, amazing people uh, with his speech. And... Um, and then, uh, you know, so they, they grab him and say, come on, let's go. And he said, of course, he says the famous, you know, didn't you not know I was about my father's business? Um, and so you might think, well, he was just being a smart aleck. But then it goes on to say, but then he was obedient to his mom. So, uh, you know, she may have scolded him. We don't know. But then you don't hear anything else about Jesus until he's about 30. Okay, so those 18 years, we don't know. And I was thinking about this, and I thought, Jesus is in the temple. Um, he didn't go back with his parents. He must have known something. He must have known something. You know, I've heard things over the years where, you know, Jesus, you know, he didn't know who he was, and he didn't know what his purpose was. But I would say that he knew who he was. He knew what his purpose was. And not only that, um, he, he may have gathered that there would be storms. If he knew what his purpose was, then he knew that there would be some storms that were coming. He knew that there was going to be some opposition, okay? He knew that there would be pressure and stress and temptation and rejection coming up. Yet he was able to carry out his mission to completion without so much as seeing a therapist or killing anybody or cursing somebody out. Come on, I ain't talking about you if you curse somebody out. All right. But, but, you know, the Bible doesn't say he did. Somehow, some way, Jesus had to find peace. He had to find peace in the middle of the storm. I came across another story. Uh, it, it, the story goes this way. It says, years ago, a farmer along the Atlantic seacoast, all right, he constantly advertised for helping hands. He needed people to help. But a lot of people didn't want to help along uh, the farms along the Atlantic because of the dreadful storms that came, okay? They raged across the Atlantic. They wreaked havoc on buildings and crops. So this farmer interviewed applicants for the job, and he received a steady stream of refusals. No, I don't want that one. No, 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 no. Until finally, this short, thin man, well past middle age, I'm one of three of those, uh, approached the farmer, maybe two of three, uh, 
And he said, he said, are you a good farmhand? Farmer asked him, he said, well, I can sleep when the wind blows. I said, what kind of answer is that? I, okay. He, he was puzzled, but he said, you know what? I need help. So great. That sounds good. Okay. You can sleep when the wind blows. All right. I'll hire you. So the little man worked well around the farm. He was busy from dawn till dusk. And uh, the farmer felt satisfied with his work. Okay. But then one night, the wind began to howl and a storm came up as we knew it would because they're along the Atlantic. Okay. So the farmer jumped out of bed, grabbed the lantern, rushed next door to the hired hand's sleeping quarters, and he shook the little man and he yelled and he said, get up. A storm is coming. You got to go tie things down uh, before they blow away. You got you to take care of some stuff, the, the, the animals and everything. You got to take care of it. And the little man rolled over in his bed and he said firmly, no, sir. He said, I told you I can sleep when the wind blows. And uh, but the farmer, you know, he's enraged by this response and he was tempted to fire him on the spot. But instead, he hurried out. So he said, I'm just going to go do it myself. He hurried out to prepare for the storm. But when he got outside, he saw to his amazement that the haystacks had been covered up with tarps. The cows were in the barns. The chickens were in their coops and the doors were barred. The shutters were tightly secure. Everything was already tied down. Nothing could blow away. Then the farmer understood what his hired hand meant. And he returned to his own bed and said, I can now sleep when the wind blows. You see, what I, what I get from this little story is you can't wait till the wind blows and then start tying stuff down. So if you want to look at how Jesus lived a life of peace, unlike so many of us, I'm not calling any names now, but unlike so many of us, <laughs> he was already prepared. He already knew. He spent time in the temple when he was 12 years old. He spent time in prayer. He, he said, I only do what I, I see the father do. I only, I only say what I hear my father say. He's already prepared, and he didn't have to wait for the storm to come before he started preparing, unlike so many of us. Come on, somebody. Come on now. He was able to prepare. This is the life that Jesus left for us. Now, he, Jesus had a peace in, in all these situations, and we'd be here forever if we uh, went through all of the situations where you could say, I don't know how Jesus had peace in the middle of this situation. When he's dealing with the sad you sees, and he's dealing with the Pharisees, and he's you know, dealing with all of these people, these detractors that are coming against him, but he had peace in the middle of all of that. But he did have peace. John 14, verse 27 says this, just one verse. Jesus said this. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Neither let it be afraid. There's some key things in this one little verse that are so profound that we sometimes just skip over when we read what Jesus says sometimes. He said, peace I leave with you. I leave with you. I'm not just taking all of the peace with me. But then he went on to say, my peace. Why did he could have just, he just said, peace I leave with you. What's the difference? Why would he say my peace? There must be something significant about that. 
He's not just leaving peace. He said, my peace, I leave with you. Must be something significant about his peace. See, here's, you know, we look at peace and uh, we know a war is, is going, there's a conflict going on right now. There's probably always some conflict going on in the world that we don't know about, uh, you know, one time or another. Conflict is going on right now. And to us, it would be great if there was just peace, if there was just the absence of war. You know, what about your family? Maybe your family's not like this. You know, I grew up in a family where people just talk loud. You know, and some days it was like, can we just have some peace? You know, y'all stop fussing. <laughs> Everybody fussing about things that seem insignificant, but we just got to fuss. Can we have some peace? The absence of conflict. But when you see what Jesus is saying here, hear what he's saying, my peace I give to you. It has to be more than just the absence of conflict because he made a point to say my peace I give to you. And so I said, well, let me read through scripture and, and determine what biblical peace really is. And this is what I came up with. This is, this is Michael's version of biblical peace. All right. Peace means freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions, a quiet and calm state of mind. Watch this now. Despite the circumstances. Despite the circumstances. It doesn't mean the absence of circumstances. Peace doesn't necessarily mean the absence of war. Not biblical peace. There's plenty of war in the Bible. But despite the circumstances, you have a quiet and calm. In other words, you are able to think clearly. While everybody's fighting, fussing, throwing things, don't know what to do, running around, chicken little, you're able to see clearly. Your mind is calm. You don't, you, you have, you're free from this disquieting and oppressive thoughts or emotions. Your emotions don't rule you. You can understand what Paul was saying when he said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with thanksgiving, through prayer and supplications, make your request be made known to God. What was he saying right there? He's saying, look in the mirror and tell yourself, stop being anxious. Stop being anxious. That's the peace of Jesus. Biblical peace is more than just the absence of conflict. It, it's taking action to restore a broken situation also. It's more than just inner tranquility. It's a state of wholeness and completeness. Biblical peace is not something we can create on our own. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. And notice I said it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Because the Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is, and then it names five things. It doesn't say the fruits. <laughs> All of those together make up the fruit of the Spirit. Some of you might say, well, I got three of the fruits down. I need to get some more fruits. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. <laughs> you got one part of the fruit. <laughs> we got to get all of the fruit. Come on. And peace is part of that fruit of the Spirit. And you look back in the Old Testament, the word peace in the Old Testament appears 237 times. And if you take Brother Jim and Sister Jean's class on Hebrew, you would know that it's shalom, Right? It's shalom. This, this, word, this Hebrew word, peace, shalom, uh, according to, you know, Strong's concordance anyway, it means completeness and soundness and welfare. It's more than just a tranquility. It's a completeness. Come on, that's, that's different than just being cool. All right? 
It comes from this root word shalom, which means to make amends or making whole or making complete. Here's what we have to understand about Jesus. He doesn't do things halfway. He wants you to be whole and complete. See, I, I might tell you if there's a situation that's going on in your life and you don't know what to do, you come to me. I might tell you, okay, well, just calm down and let's see how we'll deal with this. Let, just calm down. Jesus doesn't tell you to calm down. He comes in and says, I'm going to make you whole. I'm going to make you complete in the midst of this situation. So having shalom means being in a state of wholeness or completeness without deficiency or lack. Now you're starting to understand when he said my peace, this is a little bit different than just peace. Than just peace without lack, without deficiency. In fact, in Jewish culture, Old Testament especially, but in Jewish culture, people use shalom as a greeting, right? A greeting expression. And when they used expressions like this, it meant well-being be upon you. Come on. May you be well. May you be well. The word peace in the New Testament is from this Greek word, irene. And it means really peace, quietness. It means rest. It originates from a word which means to join together into a whole. Again, there we are, whole, making you whole. It means unity, bringing in multiple parts together to form a whole or a set. Now, what, what, what's the point I'm trying to make here? I'm not just talking about a people coming together, but I mean you within yourself. Think about this. Here's what I, here, I'm going to be transparent with you this morning. Here's what I have dealt with my life. I've, I've been in church all my life and saved since I'm 17 years old. But here's something I've always dealt with is I have to, I, and I'm still learning not to compartmentalize God. God is a healer. God blesses. He is a deliverer. All right. He is a restorer. He's atoned. All right. He does all of these things. He, he, he provides for us. When it comes to healing, no problem for me. You know, some people have maybe have different things. But for me, no problem at all. I, I understand. Speak to it. I don't care. Pain, speak to it. it. It doesn't, you know, whatever it may be. But maybe finances. Man, okay, Lord, I really got to pray. It's the same God. You spoke, to, you spoke to your body. Speak to your finances. By the way, we know that we have to do the things that we're supposed to do. You know, don't come up for healing and you eating, you know, fried chicken on Monday, four bags of Lay's potato chips on Tuesday. Come on, somebody. Seven apple pies on Wednesday. And then Thursday, you wonder who have a revival on Thursday so I can go get healed. All right. So we know that. Don't run up your credit cards at $20,000 that you don't have. All right. And then talk about I need a miracle. All right. So God's going to teach us that. But God is a miracle God. God is a miracle God. So don't think that you can't come to him. Just learn, okay? Here's what it is. <laughs> I know I'm getting off subject. I'm getting back to it, though. You know, I used to think that life was, our life was determined by the mistakes we made. I used to think that growing up. But here's what I've understood. Life is not determined by the, you're, you're, the direction of your life is not determined by the mistakes you made. It's what you learn and how you react to those mistakes. Everybody's going to make mistakes. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But do you learn? Do you learn and adjust and do the right thing next time? All right, what am, what am I talking about here? Okay. We're talking about this peace. 
This peace that Jesus gives us in the New Testament. And I, I would compartmentalize God, but Jesus is saying, listen, even in you, I want you to be well in your finances. I want you to be well in your body. I want you to have a sound mind. Uh, you know, I want you to have all of these things. Jesus, he, he, he's not one who would just come and say, well, you got, you got three out of five. You should be happy. No, 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 no. He comes and says, I want you well. I want you whole. I want you whole. That's what he wants. So Jesus, I, I, I call this particular message the peaceful life of Jesus. And we can learn some things from his peaceful life. See, he not only lived a life of peace, but he passed that peace on to us. He passed it on to us. Well, what it doesn't mean is that there won't be any challenges in life. Won't be any persecution, hard times for us to go through. Jesus showed that to us, that there will be persecution, there will be challenges. But there's a way to walk through life with this wholeness that he's talking about. A way to walk through life with it. Here's three things that we can learn from the life of Jesus. All right. Again, don't shout me down with this first one because we're going somewhere with this. Just in these three points, we're going somewhere. All right. We're going somewhere. First thing that you got to understand is while you're in this human body, trouble will find you. <laughs> Trouble's looking for you. It's looking for you. Now, listen, this is not a negative thing. Just hang on for a second. Don't, don't hang your head and be like, I knew that trouble was going to find me. So, no, 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 no. Just hold on a second. Just hold on. <laughs> but you have to understand that, that, that trouble is looking for you. And especially if you said, I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Messiah. And I confess with my mouth that God raised him on the third day. And he is my Lord. If you said that, oh, trouble looking for you. It, 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 you know, trouble, trouble's like, it, it didn't tap your line. It's a bug on the line. And as soon as you say it, like in the Matrix, it hears what you're saying. Uh-oh, somebody didn't said something. Let's go find them. It's looking for you. And that's not a bad, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's how you know you're on the right road. Trouble's looking for you. Now, what am I talking about when I say trouble is looking for you? Well, there's going to be detractors. There's going to be opposition, ignorance, come on, distraction. There's going to be offense. There's going to be negative people that are going to come around you. But remember, this is why I preface this with saying that life is not about the mistakes you make. It's about how you react to them. Life is really all about reaction. It's not even about the trouble that looks for you and finds you. It's about how you react to it. That's what it's about. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, you remember this, it says, then Jesus, Now this is right after Jesus was baptized. John said, hey, look, the Lamb of, behold, the Lamb of God, come to take away the sins of the world. Jesus said, baptize me. He said, no, nah, I ain't doing that. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. You're the Lamb of God. He said, you have to do it so that all righteousness will be fulfilled. He said, okay then. So he came down, baptized Jesus, rumbling from heaven. That's all they heard. This is my son. Come on. A dove. Holy Spirit came down. I mean, this is a joyous day. The sky is rumbling. Dove coming out of the air. It's probably sunny. What's going on? It's a beautiful day. Jesus comes up out of the water. And the Bible says in verse 1 of Luke chapter 4, then... 
Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. He, was, he got baptized in the Jordan, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Soon as he was baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, not like us with cloven tongues of fire to burn all the bad stuff out of us, but a dove that came on top of him, he goes right into the wilderness, led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for what purpose to be tempted by who the devil himself not a demon not a sidekick the devil and in those days he ate nothing and afterward when, when when they had ended he was hungry so he jesus had a body just like he couldn't be an example to us he couldn't be an example to us that's why I said that the other week. Listen, uh, you know, I'm not here to try, to, just to try to offend people or even other religions. I'm not, I'm not here to try to offend you. All I'm saying is you up on the mountain, you know, finding your peace. Come down, up, down off that mountain and show me how to live like Jesus did. This man had a job. He was a carpenter. He worked it. He had people talk about him. He had to deal with people. He had to walk. He was hungry. Come on. Show me how to live. And so Jesus said in John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. Now, please don't equate that to suffering like Jesus suffered. He did that once and for all time. Once and for all time, he suffered. You're, 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 no, Jesus did that. You're not going to have to save anybody from their sins. You're not going to have to endure the cross as Jesus did for that purpose. Come on, that's not what he's talking about here. I know bad things happen. I get that. I'm, but I'm saying what he's talking about here is opposition. He's talking about distractions, offense, negative people. People are going to talk about you. You go to that church. Why are you wasting your time? You know, y'all just made up God because you, you want to be so emotional. And now you're giving your money. You're going over there giving an offering to the church for what? You know, when we die, we're just nothing. You, people are going to talk about you. They're going to come against you, okay? So in this world, you will have tri a tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. So we know that trouble's going to find you, but here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to tell you. Number two is you're built to endure. You're made for it. You are formed for this. When, 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 when God spoke uh, to, to Esther, said, for such a time as this, I believe he's speaking to every one of us right now saying, for such a time as this, for such a time that war is going on between Russia and the Ukraine, for such a time that COVID-19 is going crazy, for such a time that, you know, all economics and whatever, for such a time as the, the world is arguing about all these things, for such a time as this, you were made because you proclaim my name. You proclaim my name. You, you have the right amount. You have the right amount of compassion and sympathy and standards and ethics and morality. You have all of that. See, Jesus is about being whole. He's not about this thing the way we do stuff. Now, we do stuff. We're all the way this way. You all, and I'm not, but I'm just going, we're all the way this way. We're all the way liberal, all the way, or we're all the way on the other side, you know. Jesus said, listen, I, I'm the only way. When are we going to get that? I'm the only way. The only way. The only way. I am the truth. 
and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. I am the only way. We'll never figure it out outside of Jesus. We'll never figure it out. You're built to endure. We, we have to know Jesus never, ever backed away from a trial. Never did that. And there's good reason. It's because he was built for it. And you're built. He was built for the very purpose of overcoming. And so are you. I want to read this passage here. You, another familiar verse of, of scripture uh, or story that you know. But I want to read it out of John because I saw something in John. This is Jesus walking on water. So most of us would know the story of Jesus walking on water. It's also in Matthew and I think Mark. And But we usually look at it in Matthew because Matthew also talks about Peter stepping down out of the boat and walking on water. Kind of the full story there. John, he doesn't focus on Peter. He focuses on Jesus. But there's something in here I, I want you to see. It's verse 16 of John chapter 6. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. You know the story, but it says, When evening came, his disciples went down, uh, to, went down to the sea, got into the boat, went, uh, went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark. And Jesus hadn't come to them. Where Jesus where Jesus is getting dark. He hadn't come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, drawing near the boat. They were afraid. He said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Here's something I, I looked at here, I noticed when I read this version of this story, is that, you know, it's not like they had pushed out off the shore and they were a little ways out and they were like, hey, you know, we're starting to get away from the shore. Where's Jesus? It's getting dark. No, 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 no. The Bible says they were three or four miles out. So you say, okay, all right, so that's a big deal. This is a good revelation. All right, they're three or four miles out into the sea. Three or four miles out to the sea, now they see Jesus coming in and walking on the water. Let me tell you something. Do you know that it takes an average person, average, on average, about an hour to walk three miles? That's not speed walking and that's not sloughing. That's just you just walking. About 20 minutes per mile. He's, they're three to four miles out. So not only has he come walking to them, so he's probably walking on the sea about an hour or more. Probably more because he's walking on water. A storm arose. I don't know what, what time the storm arose, but it arose sometime before he got to them. So he's walking on water through a storm. The waves are going crazy. It's a miracle you're walking on unstable water anyway, but now it's even more unstable. How long was he walking on water to get out to them? How long was he walking on water to get out to them? <laughs> they were three or four miles out, right? You telling me Jesus wasn't built to endure? This wasn't a fake thing. It wasn't like, well, let me just hurry up and, okay, hurry up before I sink. No, he's just walking. Keep it coming. More storms, what? You got some more thunder? Water? Keep it coming. I got a ways to go. Come on. I might get to Martinsville by the time. I mean, he's walking on the water. He's built for this. And then in, in, in Matthew, Peter said, uh, well, if it really is you, bid me to come to you. He said, come on. Peter got down, started walking. Peter's built for it too. If Peter's built for it, you're built for it. Right. I am too. Right. I am. That's, and that's what Jesus wanted to show. You thought Jesus was just showing off? I can walk on water because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit by dove. 
because, you know, I'm the son of my blood is perfect. I'm showing off. No, I'm showing you this because I'm showing you you can do it too. This is the example he's leaving us. You can do it too. I don't want to hear that excuse no more. Well, he was Jesus. Yes, he was Jesus. But when he walked the earth, he left an example for us, 1 Peter chapter 2 says. It was an example for us to follow. He, he, took out, he takes out that excuse, that was Jesus. I can't do that. No, 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 no. No, no, no. See, here's what we have to understand. Here, because so many of us look for miracles. And I love miracles. God is a miracle God. We used to sing a song, you do miracles, you're great. And he does. God, God is a miracle to us, right? I mean, he is a miracle, right? I mean, he does do miracles. He's great, all right? But we can't live our life going from miracle to miracle when God has given us a way to live, when he's given us a way to walk, if we would just follow in that. And so when a storm comes up, we want to quote, peace be still. That's what we want. We want every time a storm comes up, you know, I want to come up and say, peace be still, storm stop. When most of the time God is saying, walk on the water through the storm. He ain't saying peace be still. He's saying walk on the water through the storm. Why? Because God doesn't take you around the storm most of the time. He takes you through it. He takes you through it because you're built for it. You're made for it. And then number three, this is what you would already know, but can I just reemphasize it to you? That peace is only found in Jesus. It is only found in Jesus. The peace that we're talking about, my peace I give to you, it's only found in Jesus. Back to John 16, 33, he said, these things I have spoken to you that in, in me, in me, in me, in me, you may have peace. Not in anyone else, but in me. In Matthew, he went on to say, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. But there's a caveat, come to me, come to me. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. See, there's something we have to do. We just don't sit there, put your yoke on me. He didn't say, sit there and I'll put my yoke on you. He said, take my yoke upon you. Take it. That means you're seeking his face while he may be found. That means you're reading his word. That means you're spending time in prayer. That means you're asking God, what will you have me do? Take my yoke upon you. That means you're taking action. You're not just all about words, but you're taking action. There's some action to go along with your words. Now we understand what James was talking about when he said, show me your faith and I'll show you my faith by my works. I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's no other way to find peace. This peace that we're talking about to be whole, to be complete, to be able to walk on water in the middle of the storm other than in Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you're looking for it in somebody else. If you're saying there's many roads to God, I can go to this one, I can go to Buddha, I can go to Confucius, I can go to that one, I can go to this one. No, Jesus is very clear. That's what I love about him. He said, I'm so gentle and lowly. <laughs> but he said, guess what though? You ain't going to know other way but me. I be the man. You want to get to the Father? You want this peace? I'm the one. Nobody else. There's no negotiation, no talking about it, no other way. Jesus. Talk about being closed-minded. Well, about that, I'm sorry. No other way to be. <laughs> you can't do nothing else. <laughs> you can call me closed-minded if you want. 
Call me closed-minded if you want. But this is the peace that Jesus walked with. And this, my friends, is the peace that he's leaving with us. Now, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what you think about what you see in the world. I, maybe you look at gas prices and you panic. Uh, you know, maybe you look at home prices and you look at the economy and inflation. Uh, maybe you look at the, 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 the state of politics. Maybe you look at uh, whatever. Maybe there's something in your family. Maybe there are things going on today that just don't make sense. And it's almost causing you to stress out. But Jesus would say to you this morning, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. 